Welcome into episode 71 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at Simmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. How you doing, Christian? I'm doing okay. As you take a sip of water. That was bad timing. I don't know why I did that. I, you, you say the exact same thing at the start of every podcast. And I was like, now is the moment for me to take a drink of water. I got him. So. That was, I'm not drinking water. I, or I am drinking water. Excuse me. I had a coffee earlier, but okay. my worst podcasts are usually the ones where I'm drinking coffee during the podcast. During the- I, I just get into this, like by like minute 30, I'm in this agitated state of just like, like buzzing anger over whatever we're talking about. Like we can be discussing like the schedule for 2021 and I'm like, listen here and going nuts. So. I can't imagine that buzzing anger will pop up at any point. Maybe until like maybe tweet of the week. Tweet of the judging, week. <laughs> judging by uh, some of your dealings in the last couple of days i guess tweet of the week will be based on today because i tweeted something about the big 12 and of course miami fan showed up so spoiler alert that titan kane guy he is a joy on twitter i think he's he's actually a ucf fan i he knows he 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 has to tweet he has to tweet more about ucf than miami right like i feel like the majority he knows a lot about ucf's like players and like it's just it's very weird of course he does he tweets more about them than his own team there's there's an obsession there he probably like I'm trying to think like, I don't know. He has to have some connection to UCF because you're right. He knows too much about UCF to just be a random. And every, if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely know who we talk, who we're talking about. Cause if you're on Twitter, he's been in your mentions, but you're saying if you're listening to this podcast, talking to him directly, cause he might listen. I don't know. Titan Kane. If you're listening, he might, he might hate listen to this podcast. He might. I appreciate Titan Kane. He's made for some good Twitter conversations over the years. He's just also stupid. So, you know, <laughs> there's that, but. Anyway, stupid. this is a recruiting podcast, Speaking so we're off to a great start. <laughs> recruiting really is just the dumbest thing, but it's so vital. And No, recruiting is not into- stupid. Recruiting rankings are stupid. Let's be clear. Okay. Recruiting is very important. The act of recruiting isn't stupid, but just like the entire circus that recruiting is. I can say it's stupid. Okay. But I pay, I pay a lot of attention to so it. So you're not saying the rankings are stupid. You're saying like the way that we go about recruiting as a society is stupid? No, no. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. I think it's okay. more, it's just more that like, it's crazy the, the amount of stock that everybody puts into like kids making decisions about where they want to spend the next couple of years of their lives and how it lets everyone, we talked about this a little bit the other day about how we let sports affect our mood so much. <laughs> when you, when you like boil it down to like recruiting and like how much people spend, how much time people spend on like reading recruiting rankings, reading recruiting websites. And we do it like ourselves. I'm not like calling anybody out. It's just, it's just funny. Well, I do think, I mean, there isn't like a whole industry of people whose primary job is to figure out what decision a 17 year old is going to make before they make it. And that has to be one of the most like difficult things in the world, because I don't think like, I like, there has to be a really high number of recruits who just like just sort of wing it, right? Like, I feel like that has to be the case. And you see that from some of the decisions they make, then they flip two months later to a completely different school. Like, I don't, I don't know how, like- It just depends on like, what, what school they're in, they're most interested in. It just depends on the day, I think. It, it does feel like that sometimes. And I, and I know like, I feel like one of the great lies people have about recruiting is like, I, like, I feel like this is gonna sound maybe like stupid, but like, I feel like people really overestimate how much the school matters, like the actual program. Cause I feel it's like most coaches. it's coaches, right? It's coach relationship. I feel like we see that over and over. I mean, that was how Scott Frost built up. I mean, how did you see F a great recruiting class after going, Oh, and 12, it wasn't, it wasn't like players were like, ah, you know what? It, it's those, you know, like, you know, those pale gold uniforms spoke to me and I'm going to come in. It was no, the new staff they clicked with. So I don't know. I, it, it is kind of like, well, look at this whole, all right, we're, I'm, I'm, we're so off the rails. You can tell I drink coffee two hours ago. Maybe this is worse because now it's just like I'm at peak like coffee level. Oh, really? Malachi Singleton is a quarterback from Georgia, I want to say, who yeah. UCF was fighting really hard for. There were some other teams in the mix. It sounded like it came down to Arkansas and UCF. And he picked Arkansas on Monday. And it's just kind of like, you know, like that's just kind of like the era we're in with recruiting where I feel like most UCF fans were like fully under the impression that he was going to come to UCF. And now he's going to Arkansas and maybe NIL played a role, but it's just like the point, the point is there's no predicting it. Like there's no point in even trying to predict it because like, again, this is a fan base that was completely confident. They were getting that guy. Now he's not coming here. So. Especially when the the high school, their, their high school kids, especially when they play into it as well. I remember as a junior in high school, I went to like a journalism camp and we had um, running back from your former school, Timber Creek. Who was in. it? Jacquez Patrick. Jacquez Patrick. And he, he did like a mock press conference with us 
you know, and he hadn't made his decision anywhere yet. He ends up going to FSU, but he came into that. Um, he came into that press conference wearing a, uh, Alabama t-shirt. And so it's just like, they I mean, it's just, it's depends on the day. It's like, well, what I feel like repping today and like it, I'm sure that shirt had no indicate it. It wasn't supposed to indicate anything about which way he was leaning. It's just, that's just, I don't know. Just, it's unpredictable. That was but. dangerous of you to bring up Jacquez Patrick on this podcast. Cause you know that I go on a rant about him every single time he's ever come up in our lives. But I thought, I thought it was like a little bit of a risk, but I don't think any of our listeners would really care if you would have gone off about it. So, so for the, like, if you don't know who Jacquez Patrick is, I went to Timber Creek high school when I was, when I was in high school, I don't know why I added the, when I was in high school as if there's any other time <laughs> in my life, I would have gone. But he didn't Creek. go there. Yeah. After high school. And that was when he was like, you know, at his peak and like was big time player offers from everybody. And like that Timber Creek doesn't like have a ton of that. Like some, they have some, but they're not, we're not like powerhouse or anything. I don't know why I said we, like, I care at all about how that program does. I, <laughs> I'm not like, I like, you are like that, aren't you, Bailey? Like some people really care about their high school football teams too. I could not care less. <laughs> I wouldn't say like really. Like I, I would prefer them to do well, but I don't like keep up that much. I legitimately could not care less. Like I, if I tried, I really don't. I Unless one of them is good and has UCF for him. Well, that's different because yeah. that's like yeah, your that's family. I'm, I'm not like, going to be like, damn it, Bailey, don't you dare root for your cousin to do well. Since he's since he's been gone, uh, I don't. Since he graduated, I don't. I don't really know what's been going on there. So Bailey's high school, especially because. I had, yeah, it was the Knights. Like, especially I had a relationship with the previous coach too. Like he was one of my teachers and we're like, we were like almost friends. And then now he's not the coach anymore. And I don't even know who their coach is now. So long story short, no, I'm not really one of those people anymore. There you go. And to wrap up my thing, is just the whole school revolved around Jacquez Patrick and it was annoying to me. And you didn't like it. I didn't like <laughs> so we it. We can leave it there. We can leave it there. I didn't like it. And then, and he would do things like go on, he would go on like the morning announcements and like talk about how he's going to bring a Heisman back to Timber Creek. And then I think he got like eight reps at Florida State over three years. So not that I was rooting for him to fail because I really was not. It was just annoying how it was like we would do things like miss 20 minutes of class so Jacquez Patrick could go on the morning announcements <laughs> and talk about where hey, he you're was going to go. class. I, I was I was a good student. I was there to learn. I was oh, I was man. not I was not there to hear where Jacques Patrick feels on Monday morning. He might want to go to school, but yes, I was one of those kids. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> recruiting UCF recruiting UCF's doing well right now. It's very very early. Let's let's put that. It is incredibly in early. as many times as we we can. We're going to drop that in throughout this entire conversation. It's very very early, but things are looking good right now. Things are looking good. Um, so I want to talk about like recruiting so we talked about this a little bit last year because you see it last season 2022 no matter how you slice it was UCF's best recruiting class ever and the main way to measure that for like like listen there's one way to like you can measure recruiting classes by like their recruiting ranking and like that's fine that's cool but I think and a lot of people who are like experts in recruiting think the way more accurate way to look at that is the average player rating which I think tells a much bigger story because like for example like UCF last year both Houston and Cincinnati had higher ranked recruiting classes than UCF did and that was mainly because Houston and Cincinnati both signed 19 players and UCF only signed 15 because UCF has been big on using the portal. But when you look at average player rating, which is, you know, each player has that composite rating 247 gives them. This is the average for your team. UCF's was like way higher. And I went back and looked at it from since 2010 to now UCF's recruiting. And I'm, there's a bunch of digits, but I'm just going to give you like the first two, like 85, whatever. So okay. 2010 going forward, it goes, this is your average player rating, 84, 80, 79, 81, 83, 83, 82, 83, 83, 84, 83, 84. Gus is hired, 86, and now 86 again this year is where we're at right now. And if you don't realize, like that might sound like light, I, a two-point jump is huge, like huge, yeah. huge, huge. The difference between Alabama's 2022 class and Vanderbilt's was nine points. So a two-point jump is like dramatic. So I just like... I, you know, you don't want to put like a ton of faith in recruiting rankings because it's like, you know, there's teams that like Texas every year does Texas things. But like <laughs> the way that the way that UCF's upped its recruiting since Gus got here is kind of nuts. I know we kind of knew it was going to happen, but it's still been crazy. It really has. And right, so right now they're still they're at six commits, correct? I have I have six mm -hmm. down here. Um, three edge defenders, Caven Call, Troy Ford Jr. and Isaiah Nixon. Offensive tackle, Jamal Merriweather, tight end, Javante Connor. And then just got a quarterback, Dylan Rizik from Cardinal Gibbons last week. Um, which that should have been everyone's sign that Malachi Singleton was not coming when Dylan yeah. Rizek was like, I've accepted, I have a scholarship to UCF, but yeah. Um, I just love, like, I don't know if this is going to go another tangent, but I don't remember where he was, where he was saying this or where I saw this, but him saying like, he's going to start recruiting. I just love when recruits like commit and then are so 
all in that they're just like, I'm going to start trying to commit. I'm trying to recruit like other people to come here with me. We've had a like high ratio this, of that the last couple of years. Yeah. Too. I know Caven Call's been doing that role this year too. There were a couple guys last year who Nikai Martinez was one last year who did yeah. that too, which I know that it's like, that might sound like recruit speak. It's like, Oh, I'm gonna, it's like, actually like UCF had guys that have basically been working other players. Like, listen, well, come who, on, come to UCF. Who was it? It was, um, TJ Bullard from Berkeley in Tampa. Yeah. He was a big reason at Xavier Townsend. Well, I don't know if he was a big reason, but he was a teammate with Xavier Townsend. I'm sure he was in his ear. And then it was um, them getting Cam Moore, right? Yeah. For for the, that was key in getting the. That was Henderson how they got twins. the Henderson twins. So it's just a lot of that stuff goes on, and so it's it's good to see that. But I mean. And one yeah. thing, because I do want to say, because like, you know, like as UCF fans, I feel like we're almost in a tough spot as a fan base because we've spent the last basically 20 years being like recruiting rankings don't matter. Look what we did without them, blah, blah, blah. And what it comes down to is I've talked about this before in the podcast. You like not UCF, excuse me, Florida, the state of Florida is like. Florida and Texas are the SEC of recruiting, like they're just insane talent hotbeds. I actually think that. All right. Well, this might be controversial, but I think Florida's better because Texas, they're a little more like coddled. They have like amazing, you know. 30,000 seat stadiums and they're the center of their yeah. towns and amazing facilities that are sometimes better than colleges. I don't Florida, disagree. Florida players, like, you know, they have to grind for it. But the point being is that the way that the recruiting rankings don't pick that up is that you can get like a three-star from Florida to me is way more valuable than a three-star from Arkansas because you just have such a sheer amount of talent that you have guys way down the list who are never going to get that four-star ranking because of how the tough players they have to play who are just better. And I think that almost got proven right because that was how UCF built its program was just getting those three-star Florida guys who were as good as four-star guys from other states. And I think that got proven like pretty much for a fact when Heupel went out of state for his, his two main recruiting cycles here. And but look at those classes. They were nothing. I mean, like Heupel's classes just disintegrated. Just guys transferring out like on like a loop. And it was the it same is. ratings, but it's like when you grab three stars from Kansas and Arkansas and Utah, they're not the same as grabbing three stars who have gone up against the best of the best every game of their careers throughout high school. It's just not the same thing. That's and when you look I'm... at what UCF's doing now, they're getting high three stars and high four stars. And it's like, the, it doesn't translate directly to more talent, but it just means the hit rate is is that much more likely, if that makes sense. Well, that's why Hypels, it still it never made sense. I just still won't get it in there. That's why I'm so happy that, Gus has has put this emphasis on recruiting Florida and I mean I think so far in the class he's gotten it's paying off like they're they're looking really really good right now I know it's again very very early in the rankings right now it's not going to stay this way but when you look at the rankings as they are and the, com the comparison from between you know them jumping to the big 12 next year they I mean they're up there they're right up there in, in the thick of things they were um, right up there last year too last year if yeah. you went by average player rating as far as the new big 12 schools they were fourth only Oklahoma State, Baylor, and TCU brought in a higher average player. And you look at some like Isaiah Nixon is a top 300 player. Like five, even three years ago, I'd be like, what is that dude doing coming to UCF? There's, only, hey, like, there's yeah. only 300 of them. So. That's true. That, that's some real math. There a, you go. That's a fact. We knew you come to pick us this podcast for the math. So there you it's go like right there. Only 300 of those guys in the entire country. I just, the hypo thing still bothers me. Because when Gus came in, like from that first week, his big thing was six hour radius. We're at, we need, have everything we need in a six hour radius. And that's more or less held true. I mean, even like Castellanos and those guys are within six hours of here. And hypo was like, you know, have, Texas is great. So it shouldn't have felt groundbreaking when he said that and then followed up on it, but somehow it did. That is a very good point. And I mean, have. The other, like, listen, I'm not saying that, like, you should never, ever leave the state of Florida. Mikey Keene from Eric came from Arizona. Mackenzie Milton came from Hawaii. I mean, it, it, Dylan Gabriel came from Hawaii. I mean, it's like, but the way that, like, the big recruiting programs, like the really good ones in the country do things is you have your home, you have your home base. If you're in a recruiting hotbed, that's great. That's where you build the base of your class. And then you supplement with out of state. If there's one guy you really like somewhere else, you go try to grab him. You don't do what Hypel did, which was just, like, ignore the recruiting hotbed that you're sitting in. I never, ever understood that. It really didn't make sense. What did you say the number was right now for UCF's, like, uh, like the composite number? Their player rating? Yeah. 8642 for this current class. Okay, I see it now. What is – I'm not that good with recruiting stuff. There's this number 9389 next to them. Yeah, the big number. That number. So that's their actual recruiting class rank. It's that formula okay. that 247 uses. And the difference is that takes in some other stuff to account, including class size. Which my issue is just like with the transfer portal, I don't think class size. We, it was that debate we it had a few podcasts yeah. ago of like Washington State's class of, I think it was 12, 
um, three stars was rated higher than USC's class of three top 30 players. And it's like, you would, every team would take the three top 30 players. Like you, you would take that 10 times out of 10. Yeah. The perfect factor of that to me is you look at, so last year, like I said, Cincinnati and Houston, they both signed 19 players. UCF only signed 15 because UCF wanted to leave a bunch of room for the transfer portal. Houston, Cincinnati didn't really care about that. And UCF by far had the highest average player rating of those three. And you look at their transfer portal rankings, which 247 does now, UCF is 18th in the nation. Cincinnati is 58th, Houston is 62nd. So yeah, when you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, Cincinnati has the better class. It's like, no, UCF brought in way more talent and higher level talent than Cincinnati yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, well, as things stand right now, UCF is 20th, which obviously not going to stay the same. But they're 20th, which puts them fifth in the Big 12, as it will be, I mean, you were assuming, in 2023 with Texas and Oklahoma included. With Texas and Oklahoma out, they'd be fourth in the new Big 12. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Not bad. It's not bad to be to be where they are right now. Um, you know, with, they're definitely doing a better job than all the other expansion teams. Can you call them expansion teams? I don't know what they are. I guess that sounds like a pro in, sports thing. The incoming teams. Incoming teams. I, I, I don't know. I mean, listen. I just I know since because Cincinnati, I think they're twelfth right now, and you know overall rankings, which like or recruiting rankings, which like you said, it's like it's it's. I've seen some UCF fans putting stats on Twitter like I can't believe we have a top twenty class. It's like we do, but like also like it's not going to be April there. April twenty fifth so. in December. I do think UCF. I I absolutely think a top thirty or top forty class is on the table for UCF this year, which would yeah. be like crazy, especially given that they always leave room for the transfer portal. So I mean, it's exciting. I I definitely like didn't believe we talked about this on our podcast last off season. Like I did, I really did not buy that Gus was going to be able to do this stuff. Like I thought the classes would be better, but I remember you used to, we used to argue about it when we had our five years in the future and you said, Oh, you see if only had a five star. And I'm like, you're being ridiculous. And now I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe. <laughs> well, just the fact they're still like, they're getting some on campus right now. is like, I'm, I'm taking that as like a good sign. Um, but yeah, it's funny when you say Cincinnati is their 13th right now when you look at like the overall ratings. Mm-hmm. But when you look at like the average player rating, uh, UCF, as we said, was eight, 86.42. Cincinnati's 87.09. So like that kind of difference, that's a pretty minuscule difference, I'd say. Yeah, and that's the sure. difference. Like th- that's the 13th ranked team right now in the 20th. So it's, it's, a, it's very convoluted, all this stuff. And some of it doesn't matter. Some of it matters a little bit more. But well, just, it's like it, it, on the whole, UCF's in a good spot. Yeah, I, I just, it's kind of like, I don't know, because you look back, because the Texas and Oklahoma stuff was going to happen no matter what, but let's say it for some, like, let's say we live in a world where Danny White, you know, got one of the other nine coaches he tried to get before Hypel, and Hypel was still here for the last year or two. It's like, I don't know hey, where, what do you mean? Like, Hypel was his first choice. <laughs> oh, right. Hypel's the only coach he ever offered the contract to, right? I, I mean, it's just <laughs> like, I, I would be so much more, I guess what's kind of amazing is that UCF's about to go to a Power 5 conference, and I'm really, like, maybe I'm stupid, but I'm not that stressed about it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Do you not I agree? Kind of, no, I kind of agree. Like, I kind of agree, but I think it is stupid. I don't know why. I mean, my take is like you look at like past teams that have gone like moved up to power five conferences, which that's not a super large group. It's like you typically come in and you're like, all right, your new recruiting class is like, you know, it's going to be like ninth or tenth in that new conference. And UCF, we're two years in now. And they're looking like they're going to be like top five in both. So UCF's going to come in right when those guys are like becoming contributors, especially plus the transfer portal, and probably have comparable talent to at least the middle of the league in year one. That is where it feels like there's a pretty big difference too, is that UCF being one of those teams to make that jump is is recruiting in the middle of Florida. Yep. And that's just such a massive, massive advantage over these other teams. But you know, it's also a massive advantage is this Gasparilla Bowl went over Florida that apparently is just, it's the biggest recruiting tool. It's one of the biggest recruiting tools they have right now. I'm really confused by that. I'm really, really confused <laughs> by that. We have any podcasts where we like, it doesn't matter what, it'll be cool when if it happens, but bulls don't mean anything. And then Gus is like, Hey, guess what? We can get top 300 players now because we beat Florida. Yeah. Like these guys, these guys are interested in us. He said, he said that he was like, we have players that we couldn't get before that are interested now because we beat Florida like in a bowl game so i have a theory on that because i feel like some ucf fans have taken that to mean that ucf is not out recruiting florida and that's not the case florida is still florida like (laughs) ucf can ucf can do whatever they want they're not in the sec and there are and a lot of the top players in college football believe they are sec players and that's that but i think the difference is it's not so much head-to-head battles with florida i think it's that next level of players four stars and high level three stars who maybe didn't take ucf seriously a year ago 
or didn't yeah. think of UCF in the realm where now it's like, oh, they just beat Florida. Their most recent game, their most recent game of football is beating Florida. And I think it's just kind of put UCF in their minds with that plus going to the Big 12. It kind of like UCF just feels in that realm, if that makes sense to some recruits. Yeah. Well, you say they're not out recruiting Florida. Florida's number, they're number 47 right now. It's, a, it's April. Man. <laughs> Billy, Florida, no, Billy Napier would survive one season if they finished with the 47. They have two commits. So I'm not going to have a higher average player rating anyway. So wow, it was just, there uh, you go. Look at the player. Hey, man. I'm telling you, it was just going to get that dig in there, but yeah, yeah UCF's going to have to deal with powerhouse Texas tech when they get into the big 12. I don't know. Uh, them in there what is it they have like they have 19 commits right now i believe are they still number one in the nation i think texas tech is number one class yeah yeah that's really cool for texas over tech notre dame <laughs> wow what decade Wait, is that from? you know what <laughs> just this is going to tell you where like why it doesn't matter alabama's 29th clemson's 30th like the clemson 30th is... i kind of believe i don't think i don't think clemson's coming back at all Let's just if turn this into be, a national college football. So that might be a, that might be a conversation for the middle of the summer when we just talk random college football things. But now I'll go on a thirty that. second tangent. I, I I I don't understand. We should do that though. Just have a random like. I don't think anyone wants to listen to that. I don't agree. Okay. We'll talk about it. <laughs> hey, if you're listening to this, let us know on Twitter. Do you want to hear us talk about football that's not UCF? If you do, yeah, do you let want to us hear know. us talk about college football? It's just gonna be in the middle of July. I mean, there's nothing else to UCF. Yeah, I'm sure a lot about, of our so. listeners are just going about their day. It's like a Wednesday afternoon, and they're like, "Man, I wonder what Christian and Bailey think about Arkansas." Hey, you'd be surprised. I think <laughs> I really you'd be don't surprised. Think so. I think you'd be surprised. Well, my you main thing. Go on with, your 30 second Clemson rant then. Yeah. All right. My main thing with Clemson is just like they're doing everything wrong, and this isn't like a unpopular opinion i mean it's right. just like Dabo thinks it's 2005 like he thinks he doesn't need to use the transfer portal he thinks nil or twitter, or twitter. he's on tiktok <laughs> though so make do that do it that way you will but like all of his and i it's i said this i've been upset i can tie back to ucf i've been upset terry mahajer keeps publicly kind of bashing nil and at least when it's used as like pay to play and it's not that i don't agree with him i just think it's really a really bad idea to be the guy on the record of saying that and Dabo has been like the poster boy for that of like NIL is bad there. He had this weird analogy a couple weeks ago where he was like, you know, because someone said, well, do you not find it weird how much money coaches make? And he's like, well, you know, the CEO of Delta makes more money than the bag handlers. And it's like, did you just compare <laughs> your players to like bag handlers at an airline and you're the CEO? Hey, but I, I just, it, it's like bag handlers, bag handlers and recruiting are important. It, they, they, they become increasingly important in recent yeah. years. Wow. The best analogy you've ever made. Um, <laughs> But I just, that's my thing with Clemson is I just, A, they were never, a, they were never a legitimate blue blood to begin with. They were just very good at the right time. And B, I don't think Dabo is doing anything properly. Like he's not adapt, like Gus Malzahn, the reason UCF is succeeding in recruiting is because Gus Malzahn will adapt to whatever, like NIL, like he's, he's, it's his take with the uniforms. It's his take with everything. It's like, if the recruits love it, I love it. Like NIL is a thing, recruits want it, great. I wear player shirts to press conferences. It's like social media is big. We'll put QR codes in our jerseys. Like, and Dabo's just like, no, I know how I like things and it's just going to stay that way. And that's not the way coaching works for any. Yeah. I mean, Dabo who, yeah, you got Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, like congratulations. That's, that's going to help you win some championships, but you're not going to get these top quarterbacks and these top players. If you're going to stay where you are in terms of that thinking it just doesn't make sense the bigger one to me is the transfer portal like alabama georgia everyone is supplementing through the transfer portal and he's just like no we have our guys and i'm like okay well then your guys are going to be worse than everyone else so i don't get that at all you know but, the only the, only arg- the argument that they could you know stay relevant is the fact that they're in the acc and the acc is just awful is it going to be awful forever though because as much well, as I abs- as much as i absolutely hate to say it like mario cristobal is probably going to get miami rolling to some extent i don't think they're ever going to be a national championship type team again. I don't think they can be, but I mean, they're, you know, I'm waiting, he's a good I'm waiting coach. for that to just fall apart. Mike Norvell continues to believe that FSU is salvageable. I mean, Virginia. Oh, I got to read that. I got to read that piece in the athletic. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. My takeaway was use, uh, not UCF. My takeaway was FSU cannot be saved. I don't think that was like what was meant to be the takeaway, but probably not. All right. While we're off on a non UCF tangent, it's my, I've said this, I think I've said this on the podcast before. Why do we keep waiting for schools to be back? Like has a mate, has a national championship program ever fallen off for five years and actually come back? <laughs> has that ever happened? It didn't yeah. happen with Tennessee. It didn't happen with Nebraska. It didn't happen with USC. It didn't have Miami. It didn't happen with Notre Dame. It never Texas. happens. It didn't happen with Texas. It's like these schools. It's like, everyone's like, when are they going to be back? It's like, are if, you are, <laughs> if you go down for five years, you don't come back. 
It's they never win, happened. They win one big game and like, are they back? Are they back? Texas in 2018 won the Sugar Bowl, which they got into with a nine and four record because of the way the bowl bids worked out. They weren't even a top 12 team. Then they beat Georgia and everyone was like, Texas is back. And they were like eight and five the next year. I, it, it's like, it's just, it. it <laughs> hey, teams do don't these, come back. ESPN, what do you think of these potential college football playoff matchups? Texas is in like all of them. <laughs> I still can't believe that. Why are we doing this? God. All right, we're so off the rails. Should we talk okay. about NIL in relation? Let's to talk about it since you mentioned it with with the way Gus embraces it, the way Terry embraces it to an extent, and the way Dabo doesn't embrace it. You, I think UCF's in an interesting position where they're like both benefiting from it, and then also them and a bunch of other programs are kind of in the position where like they're never going to be able to pay, you know exorbitant amount of money for a three-star player to just play for you so i'm i don't i i don't ever want to call out a ucf fan but I'm, and i'm not and this isn't a call out i just thought the tweet was interesting so i'm going to bring it up and okay. if i can find it because i'm just scrolling through here we go it was jim rogers that guy yeah i don't totally know who he is but he's got a lot of twitter followers I've seen UCF him and he tweeted nights i have been doing a little homework on the nil scene and it appears to me that we have jumped out as an early leader in this i suspect our players are seeing more opportunity than most programs and i kind of want to clarify that because that's not entirely accurate or true and i think i get what he was going for but yeah go ahead i do too there's two types of nil and i'm not here to comment on what's okay or what's right because i do see a lot of people like i i see a lot of fans complain like when you see that texas a&m basically bought a class or that tennessee bought a quarterback and some other fan base goes oh well that doesn't count because it was and it was with nil it's like okay well where it doesn't count to you or not it happened so yeah you're gonna have to deal with it, it you know so the two types of nil is the type that we expected and we were excited for from a ucf perspective we were excited for because that players can now make money off their name image and likeness we were thinking like endorsement deals with local companies stuff like that and in that, UCF is 100% a leader. There are few programs who are more open to promoting their players the way UCF is. And they've done that admirably. Like the QR codes thing, recruits eat that stuff up. Yeah. And while that was one thing, and you can call that a gimmick, whatever, UCF does go out of its way to teach players how to build brands, to promote their brands, to try to help them within the legal whatever of getting endorsement deals. And that's paid off. You see Renaya Jones, I saw her on freaking TV the other day with the addition financial commercial. Yeah. Isaiah Bowser is selling merch. It's like it, it, Quan Lee isn't even here yet and has like nine endorsement deals. Yeah. I mean, look at the, what they're doing through mission control and stuff. Like there's incoming freshmen who like Thomas Castellanos, I know is, was, has been at events and I know they've had incoming freshmen there already getting in on that kind of stuff. Ryan O'Keefe through mission control. He said that he basically, he sends a tweet and gets paid 350 bucks. Like that's, that's a pretty good deal for a lot of college I, athletes. I wish I could do that. I, I tweet all the time. and don't oh, I'd, be, it, I'd so. be rich if I got 350 bucks a tweet. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd be living on a yacht. Um, but, oh, man. but that's the one type of NIL. And that's the type of NIL that UCF's doing very well with. The other type of NIL is the collectives. And that is yeah. where UCF is like, I don't mean to be like blunt, but just hopelessly and no, nothing is going to change this outcome. This is, this is somewhat th- something like Tennessee where Tennessee's collective says, we want our, we know who our quarterback is. It's five-star Nico Iamaliava. And we like him so much, we're going to guarantee him in writing $8 million to come to our university. And there is nothing in the world UCF or 80% of programs can do. There, it's Miami who's doing the same thing, or just with a basketball transfer from Kansas State. He signed up for $400,000 for two years. So that's $800,000 total. That, there's nothing you can do about that. And uh, go ahead. Put it this way. If, if UCF could do that, they wouldn't be like begging people to donate money for their, their facility upgrades and their football campus and all that stuff like that would already be done like if, if the types of schools that are be are able to do this if they were ucf like they'd be able to just go to like one donor and be like hey we need eight million dollars for this building and they'd be like all right here we go ucf yeah, that, that's that how position. those programs and work and it's not just a ucf thing obviously like it's not i don't think there are like a ton of programs that are in that position there's 30 i, I think there's yeah. 30 and i think that's, that's it. probably fair and also those 30, they're not going to be doing like, I don't think that like, I don't think Tennessee is is going to go spend another 8 million in the next recruiting cycle. No, but, especially if the quarterback flames out and isn't. Well, the, there's so many faucets of this, as far as from a UCF perspective, because I see a lot of fans freaking out about this UCF and otherwise of like, oh, this is going to change the sport. And I have a couple of hot takes on this first. Yeah. UCF is going to lose guys to this. I, there's, there's talk that that might've been what lost the Malachi Singleton. I don't think Malachi Singleton got a billion dollars or anything, but I, I and I might've played a role there because truth be told, I'm not going to blame if there's some 17 year old kid who really likes UCF 
And any like Toledo, like Toledo could offer me a million dollars. And I'd be like, I am so excited to play in the glass bowl. Like, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> I don't care. Like you can't fault players when there's this no. life changing money in front of them for not picking your school. But I just, how many players are realistically going to get offered the, the, the collective money? I mean, how many? It's the players that UCF wasn't going to get anyway. How right? many are going to get offered that? And how many are worth getting offered that? That's the thing. Like, and I'm also curious what happens in two, because this is the very first cycle of this. I'm, I am genuinely curious what happens in two or three years when a lot of these guys haven't worked out. I think that the, the Tennessee thing, which again, that's not confirmed, but like wink, wink, everyone knows that's who it was and that's the school. I can't think of a stupider position to spend $8 million on than quarterback. I really can't. Nope. I mean, like, what give are you me, doing? Give me a left tackle for $8 million. <laughs> I literally said, like, I'm like, I'd take, I, I'd offer like four D linemen $2 million and then just yeah. dominate college football. Like, I don't know. I don't know why you would pick the one position. That's a total crapshoot. But so I am curious if this levels out in a couple of years when all these boosters are like, wow, I just burned life-changing money on a guy who's not playing. Um, yeah. I'm, I think that it's actually dangerous at some schools. I don't totally hate that UCF isn't doing that because let's go back to Josh Heupel at Tennessee. What happens when the boosters who basically control that program say to Danny White, what the hell? We paid $8 million for this quarterback and Heupel's either not playing him or Heupel's playing him and he's not good. I mean, it's just, it's going to make booster, it's going to put boosters in even more control of the program than before because they not only control the money now, they control the players. What also happens too, I mean, I, I don't know if it's just a what if scenario, but say Heupel leaves or Heupel goes to another, yeah, say Heupel leaves for another school. Is that player going to want to, is he going to stick around for the money? Is he going to want to follow Heupel? Are they going to, I mean, they will have already paid him a decent amount of money. And now what is he leaving? Like, it's well, just, it what's interesting so is you in can't, the... you can't legally, it can't be an inducement to play at a school. Right. So the money cannot be contingent on him going to Tennessee. So as far as I know, if he transfers, I think they yeah. still have to pay him. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it puts, it puts some very, very interesting scenarios out there. And yeah, I can't say that I'm like, I'm, I'm unhappy that UCF isn't because that's the thing you said earlier is like people are arguing about whether it's right or wrong. Like the, the reality is it's happening. It's not a right or wrong argument for UCF. It's just, is it feasible for UCF? And no, it's not like for a lot of schools, it's not feasible. So, and that's why know. I don't understand why Mahajer twice now has gone on record saying that needs to be changed. Cause it's like, I just like, I don't like, listen, I don't totally disagree. I really don't totally disagree. I don't think it's going to change because no. I don't think you can legally change that without putting some kind of cap or restrictions on coaches' salaries, and that's never going to happen. But I don't know why you want to be the AD who's publicly saying anything anti-NIL. I really yeah. don't, whether you believe it or not. And yeah, I like I said, I just I don't even know how much it's honestly going to affect UCF because one, for a lot of three-star and even four-star players, UCF being the school that will help you promote your brand and your coach will wear your merch to press conferences, that's more than 90% of them are doing. And for the players who are going to get offered six figures or seven figures to go play to school, those guys aren't coming to UCF anyway. So how right. does it affect UCF? Right. Yeah. And I just, I just don't think it's, it's going to change anyway. And it, it doesn't, that's the thing is like you said, if, if you're not going to be one of those schools and you can't be one of those schools financially that can, that can do that, do what UCF is doing. Like the position that they put themselves in on the, the first side of NIL we were talking about, that's, that's where you got to be. Cause again, you're not they're doing be it paying. admirably. Yeah. They're doing a great job with it. Can I give another really hot take on the collectives? You do that. Yeah, go ahead. I think there's a case to be made that they're good for college football and not that. Okay. I mean, and, I, it's definitely good for these kids. I mean, put that well, out there. It is and it isn't. <laughs> I mean, I think the money is good, but they're like the athletic got a hold of a contract and then say what school it was that had in the contract yeah. that at any point the collective could ask for the money back plus interest. Um, that's not good for recruits. How that's the one thing is like, if you are a recruit though, can you, I know you can't, you probably, I mean, you can't hire an agent because then whatever, but you can hire a lawyer. You yeah. Can you can have lawyer someone look at that. that like but how many 17 year old kids are smart enough to have, you're just dangling hundreds of thousands of dollars over them. 17 year old me would have been like, sign me up. I'm not going to read the contract. That's just, that's just an insane it. clause. We can ask for it back at any time. Plus interest. Like, yeah, you have insane. to pay it all back. Plus more. It was 10 that's plus 10% interest. The way I think it could be good for college football is that, you look at two of the schools that have used it the most, like, like Iamaliava, like without NIL, he's probably going to Alabama or Ohio state. And instead he's yeah. at Tennessee, you look at Miami's getting players. They were getting before. I mean, it's actually in a funny way. It's spreading out the talent. It's got, now you're not having guys stack up at Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state. You're having guys spread out because more schools have money to offer you. So in that That's sense, fair. I don't know if it's bad for college football. Yeah. I mean, parody wise. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's definitely good. Bad for it's poor just, schools. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's bad for college football. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting too, because we're what, like about a year into all this and it's 
I mean, it's changed so much just from the beginning. It, it's going to continue to evolve and become just this crazy thing. It's going to be interesting to follow because I think UCF is going to be at the forefront of that first side of it, like we were talking about, but we'll see what kind of effects, like, yeah, like we were talking about, if, if, <laughs> if a player doesn't, you know, live up to that contract to the, to the $8 million you're giving him, there, I don't think there's going to be many people and there's going to be some people that are just rich enough or too rich for their own good. And they're going to be like, I don't care. Let's throw more money at another player. But there's going to be some donors that are like, hold on. Last time I threw this much money at a player, he got hurt or he actually wasn't good. He was only good at, in, I don't know, whatever state he came from in high school. He's not actually a good college football player. It's just, it's going to happen. There's no doubt that's going to happen. And so it'll be interesting to see how it all does even out. I think it will eventually. Like I said, I'm never going to say it's a good thing that UCF can't land five-star players, but like they couldn't before. So whatever. And there are implications with it that I don't mind UCF missing out on. I don't mind that the trade-off of not being able to pay players $10 million is UCF is a program where Gus Malzahn, Terry Mahajer, and Alexander Cartwright are all in the same boat and they're all in control. There are no outside voices with the power to really do anything. I get that means less money, but I think that's valuable. I also think there's something to be said. I think it's going to be really interesting in the coming years to see what the effect this has on locker rooms. Like what if there's a guy making $3 million who loses his spot to a dude who has a deal with like the local barbecue place? Like what's yeah. that going to do to a locker room? You know, and you see like UCF basically the way UCF has done it is whatever player has NIL money has earned that money because they're popular, which means they're good and playing. So it has a natural yeah. order to it versus that Tennessee's backup quarterback may end up making $8 million while the starter doesn't make anything. So, you know, <laughs> be interesting. They're avoiding some problems. And like I said, the only thing they're losing out on is players that they were not getting anyway. So I don't necessarily think it's a nightmare like some. That's a good point, though, because there this is like it's going to open up a ton of problems. But I don't know that very many of those problems, at least as we've seen it right now, we're not going to have to endure any of those at UCF. Yeah, I'm for the most part. So that's like (laughs) they're going to happen. But like as long as they happen elsewhere. Cool. Listen, I, maybe we'll be seeing a different tune if in November, a few weeks before signing day, some rich school decides they really like Isaiah Nixon and suddenly Isaiah Nixon's ditching for hundreds of thousands of dollars he can't offer. But again, yeah. he's a top 300 player. I don't think there are $300 million checks out there. So, <laughs> you know, I just, it is what it is. And I also don't think, we've talked this before, like I just, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I guess there are some UCF fans like that really do believe UCF's destiny is to be Bama and sign multiple no one's, five stars in class no one's destiny is to be Alabama no and that's the thing is like I don't like I don't know like I I just I don't buy that that like UCF has to be competing with the very top of college football money wise because frankly maybe they will in 20 years when these 300,000 alumni are older and a bunch of them are rich but for the time being I will settle for being a very good big 12 team that's winning that conference every now and then I'll settle yeah. for that I, yeah I mean that it's not a bad thing I, I'd be okay. Guys, if I told any of you even like three years ago, like, would you settle for like not only being in a power five conference, but like being in position to like be one of the better teams in it, which is where we're at right now, you'd be like, hell yeah. And now you're like, how are we going to get five stars if Tennessee can pay them more money? It's like, where, <laughs> who do you think we are? Like, I just, who do you think we are? Oh, it's, a, it's a time of introspection. And we didn't need 8 million <laughs> bucks to beat Florida. We did that for That's free. The thing. That's the thing that'll be so much fun too, though, is when you do get these teams that are like, spending so much money on players and the, it'll make upsets even more like the trash talk for like for upsets. Like imagine that that kid plays for Tennessee and then I don't know who beats them. Let's throw a random team out there. I don't know. The first one that came to mind is Coastal Carolina. Say Coastal Vandy. Carolina beats them. Yeah. No, go, just go Vandy. Say I mean, Vanderbilt. hasn't Vandy beat Tennessee as often as Tennessee's beaten them in the last few years? It's possible. I don't know. Vanderbilt's trash, but if Vanderbilt beats Tennessee. I mean, you're, you're like, wow, you guys paid all that money. And you still lost to a team who is not good. Does it work? We're not paying anyone. Yeah. Paying imagine people. being. Yeah. So Tennessee and Vanderbilt, that series is tied three, three in the last six meetings. So that, how, I would not have, I would not have thought that that's horrible for Tennessee. Tennessee isn't very good. I don't know. If you know I know that but Vanderbilt is like the bottom of the barrel, but think about that. Like what's going to like, say that happens in two years and Ian Aliaba is the starter. And it's like, Tennessee pays their quarterback more than Vanderbilt's coach gets paid and Vanderbilt won the game. Like it's going to be hilarious. Like I, a new I, meaning to upset. I would retweet that immediately. Be, gonna, there you go. Gonna be, It'd it's be gonna on be Bailey's great. timeline like that. It's going to be great. Oh, it's just going to be so interesting to continue to follow this. But like we said, very, very early in the recruiting cycle right now, but we're going to get some more. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see which, which other booms we get throughout the summer. And when's the dead period start? Uh, I don't know. Um, also, 
I'm, I'm just gonna ignore that because I literally don't know the answer. And yeah, I don't now I look uninformed, but I know. I would say without the summer, throughout the summer, and I was like, wait, there's a dead period. Well, speaking of the summer, one thing that's gonna happen too is a lot of these guys are gonna get reevaluated this summer, and I think some of them are going to get higher ratings. We'll see if any get lower, but I know there's a couple. Some of them will get lower just because they went to UCF. Shout out to previous four star, now three star, Caven Call, who once again, who knows what he did in April, but it was enough to bump him down a star. But so that'll be interesting too to see how that develops. But yeah. Definitely will be, but let's move into the football news. Not a ton of it, given that we are in the end of April, but uh, dates for the Charge On Tour were announced actually last week before we jumped on the podcast. They're starting May 6th in Tampa. They've got a South Florida date on May 7th. They're on the Space Coast on May 24th. May 26th, then in Oviedo, and then they're going to be wrapping it up uh, August 12th in downtown Orlando, a little bit before the season starts. Um, NFL news, Jordan Aiken signed with the New York Giants. I didn't realize he was already a free agent. Yeah, I didn't Guess. either. Good for him, though. Yeah, signed with the New York Giants. Isn't he like um, 30 or something? He was, he was pretty old when he was at UCF. Yeah. I don't know how old he is now. But uh, former UCF defensive lineman Cam Good has committed to Michigan. Um, he, of course, left in the transfer portal earlier this offseason. Speaking of the transfer portal, uh, UCF lost linebacker Kadeem Leonard one week after losing linebacker Cole Joyce. Uh, UCF just doesn't have any linebackers left, really. They've got like three three on the roster in their scholarship, I think. What are, what are they going to do, man? Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> I've, I've got to imagine. I've got to imagine that there's going to be some coming in. Because I feel like it would just – it doesn't – it would feel too weird for two – I guess – I mean, I'm assuming there would have been reserves anyway, but two reserve linebackers in consecutive weeks to just get up and leave. I mean, my big like, thing is – like, It has been, had to have been communicated to them probably that they weren't going to contribute. I don't know. I mean, with – because. Literally, you bring in one more linebacker, and you have, a, assuming Terrence Lewis is healthy, you have a starting core, or you have players you can start. You'll have Gene Baptiste, Terrence Lewis, Jason, Jason Johnson, Johnson yeah. and a fourth one. So you'll have, but like, what happens when one of those guys gets hurt? <laughs> like, what, what happens? I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know. I can't and Terrence Lewis hasn't had any health issues, so I don't think that's even really a concern. <laughs> I mean. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think I you've got to think there's something coming. I don't know what, but you've got to think there's something down the line that's gonna give us an answer give us some clarity on the situation it's me guys i'm ucf's new linebacker hopefully that'd be great no it would not i mean it would be be for the it would be fun for this podcast i don't think it'd be fun for you but it would be fun for this podcast if i died if i literally was killed (laughs) just don't die either kill or get killed (laughs) um (laughs) final little piece of nf or piece of football news is that the nfl draft is this uh this thursday through saturday hoping that at least Kalia gets drafted. That's the, drafted. I feel that's the one Kalia. guy. That's the one guy. I guess I was looking at some mocks um, over the weekend, and I think it was like generally expected that he would probably go in the seventh round. Um, so some, one of them put him in the fifth round, I think, to Philly. So we'll see. I really think probably taken. I do. I think so too. I mean, scouts seem to like him. Not that many guys get invited to the combine, and for him to have been invited to the combine off of the injury he had. I, mean, I actually wonder what's the undrafted rate for combine invites. It can't be that high. I mean, it can't be. I don't know how many get invited to the combine, but it's not. A, it's not like an endless supply. So, I, don't know. I was looking at some of the other mock draft like database profiles for some UCF guys and like Big Cat. I don't um, think Big Cat's getting drafted. Big Cat was projected to be an undrafted free agent. Um, I couldn't even find a profile for Brandon Johnson. I was so. about to say who else even is there to be honest. Brandon Johnson. And Cole Schneider, I know, is is out there, but no, Cole yeah, Schneider's going into cage fighting. He will. I mean, it's probably where he's headed. Um, I did look up Mackenzie Milton's too, just for just for kicks, and yeah, he's projected to be an undrafted free agent. So we'll see. I, I would like. For, I, I like I don't him think to be I, in NFL training camp somewhere. I suppose. I don't. I don't think I predict. I, I don't think I project him to be in anything. Like to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't know. That's the well, thing is he he has so many other things going on right now. It feels like that like. I know he's been working out and he's been, you know, he did the pro days and stuff, but like, is he, I don't even think he's really planning on it. It doesn't seem like he is. Which I don't don't think he has to. He's, I think he's going to be very successful. He wants to go into coaching. I know that, but he's already, you know, helping out with the NIL stuff. Like I think he's, he's fine. Yeah. It would just just be cool to see him in NFL training camp though, but I don't know. It'd be cooler to see him as a GA at UCF, but you know, that's, I mean, that's fair. That's my take. Um, and if uh, any of you are feeling bad on draft night, if UCF doesn't get anyone draft or only has one draft pick, as Cincinnati has like 90 guys drafted, just remember <laughs> that Cincinnati has not had a player taken in the first round in 50 years. Also remember that this is a bunch of talent that is outgoing from Cincinnati's roster, and they will not be playing for Cincinnati when you. And guess what? They school. didn't do use the transfer portal. So who needs it? Who needs it when you have Cincinnati Eastern Michigan's fans. quarterback, which was their one big addition? So 
who used to play for them. Who used to play for them. And trans- it's like they deal. loaned him to Eastern Michigan loan deal. where he had a subpar season and now he's back to start for Cincinnati. So you thought Ritter was bad. Wait for this guy. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not looking for- I'm not looking forward to the. I'm looking forward to the draft on the whole, but I'm not looking forward to Desmond Ritter getting drafted and then the analysts be like gushing over how. Listen, the athletic. How much of a winner he is. The Athletic published that draft confidential thing they do each year where they talk yeah. to all, this, all, all the scouts like off the record and all like did not like Desmond Ritter. Like they were like, he's not accurate. Someone said he looks like an athlete who just really wanted to play quarterback, which I feel like <laughs> is so, so insulting. It's so, it's so funny when you get those like anonymous pieces because people will just say anything. They'll say horrible stuff about yeah. the players. It's really funny. So now I'm kind of like, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't think he's going to go in the first round, but it's such a weak year for quarterbacks. Like I think you kind of have to take him at I some point. Might. I think he might, but any, whenever he gets taken, I know the analysts go, oh, this is like, because people are like, I don't know. He's just gotten a lot of praise over the spring. So we'll see. He'll be out of the um, league by 2024. That's in three or two years. But go get your money, Ritter. I mean, if they're oh, going to no, pay I mean, you to sign the contract, dude. Who yeah. cares? Um, game of the week. UCF baseball um, this weekend has a big series against Tulane. They swept Wichita State over the weekend, so they're 24 and 16 overall and 8 and 4 in the AAC. Tulane will come in at 26, 14 and 1 and 8 and 4 in the AAC. Uh, UCF, Tulane, and ECU will enter the weekend tied uh, in first place for the AAC, all at 8 and 4. Um, these games are Friday at 6, Saturday at 6, and Sunday at 1. So, I mean, this is a, just this is a make or break series. I know, like, there's really not. I want to say it's make or break series actually because it's not a make it doesn't really I, I wouldn't call that it's make or break series for if UCF wants to finish as a top seed going into the tournament but really it, this is a league that's only getting one bid it's whoever wins the conference tournament I mean at this point Tulane like doesn't even have an impressive enough record to get in as an at-large it's really been a weak year for the conference but that's the thing it's hey. kind, of, we're kind of the point where really just nothing matters except for tournament seeding because that's just how it's going to get decided hey when when the series and Put yourself in a good position to get a, a, one of the top seeds in the conference tournament. You know, we'll see what happens from there. I mean, no one thought UCF was going to even reach the conference title tournament title game last year. So, yeah, but also baseball is just, just about, a random sport. So, yeah, it's just about getting hot. We'll see. We'll see who we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, big 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 series this weekend. But I'm throwing it over to you now to for tweet of the week, which I'm sure is just going to be horrible. Tweet of the week. We're going to circle back to our good friend Titan Kane. If you're listening, Titan Kane, I appreciate our Twitter conversations. Um, Love our chats. Love our chats. That's a uh, Ted Lasso reference. It was. Were you going for Ted Lasso on that? Yeah, it was. Okay, cool. Just check. Yeah, Trent Krim. Trent Krim. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Anyway, (laughs) um, man, if if our listeners don't listen to Ted Lasso, they must hate us because we like quietly quote them like at least once a podcast. We just don't call it out, but it's in there somewhere. They need hardcore Ted Lasso slash Pegasus podcast listeners. Anyway, I tweeted earlier today. Yeah, it's us. I tweeted earlier today, <laughs> in the last five years, UCF has had 12 players selected in the NFL draft. Of the new Big 12 schools, only TCU has had more in that span. UCF has always had way more talent than people realize, and they're just a year away from finally getting to show that off in a Power 5 league. So, that pretty, I, was, I actually was not expecting that tweet to start a fight at all, to be honest with you. I just thought that was basic information. Last half decade, UCF's had a lot of guys drafted. Cool. Titan Kane, who never disappoints replies again this is a tweet about UCF in the big 12 so I don't know what the hell he was doing on this he replies how many number one draft picks I'll wait so I was so baffled by this I'm like does Miami have like a bunch of number one draft picks because I don't remember that being a thing their last one was 30 years ago 30 years ago is there a more Miami hurricane fan thing than seeing a tweet that does not impact your team in any way and replying and saying oh yeah my team was better three decades ago Wait, Christian, I'm certain that your tweet mentioned Miami once, right? It sure didn't in any way. I'm certain that it did. And then I replied to him, which was stupid. I don't know why I decided to start the argument. And I said, you know, not even, all right, number one picks, whatever. UCF has had a more recent top five pick in the NFL draft than Miami by 10 years. And he replied and was like, waiting for your reply on the number one pick because you haven't had one. And I'm like, all right, man. Like, you know, I also wasn't alive last time you guys had one. So, yeah, like I'm, I know like, people were clowning you like oh you're talking about Blake Bortles it doesn't matter who like how the player ended up doing I don't care talking (laughs) about it's it's, this is a stat about how many draft picks UCF sat in the top five and yeah he was taken there also how can Miami fans brag this much about how much NFL talent they've wasted I don't know I literally all them like like someone replied and it's true they were like UCF's had twice or Miami's had twice as many draft picks as UCF in this span that is a hundred percent true 
that is so pathetic that you had that many NFL caliber players and your best season was like eight and four. Like, how do you do that? How do you actually waste that much NFL talent? At least Texas doesn't even send their five stars to the NFL. You guys are getting high recruit players, bringing them in, doing nothing with them and then sending them on to the league. It's like, what, what is wrong with you? Like, how are, like, how is that happening? You play in the ACC, just Hilarious. beat Duke. I mean, like, I just, it's baffling to me. It's very laughable. And it's just, I don't know what, I don't know what triggered, I guess, I don't know. I think that's why I, I kind of go back to thinking that guy is like a closet, like, I don't know what he is. I want to say there's a closet UCF fan, but I don't think he really is. He just really, really is obsessed with UCF and just wants to spend his days talking about them. Listen, it's capacity. the same thing I've said before. It's that Florida fans, like I get into fights with, but I tolerate it because they're Florida and more often than not, they're pretty freaking good. And Florida State's been down for five years now, but as recently as five years ago, they were like literally like up there with Alabama and Clemson, whatever. Miami has had nothing going for them for two decades now. And I don't understand how they have any room to talk about anything. They think they are the coolest team in the world because of stuff that happened in the 1980s. And I just don't get that. My favorite thing too, though, is the, is the fact that, was it 2017, right? That they were, I think they were 10 and 0 at the same time UCF was. Yep. And that ended really well for them. Someone replied to me and said, we had a higher CFP ranking than you guys. And I'm like, okay. yeah, you you got up to number two and then you lost three straight, including to Pitt. Like, congrats. How, how, very, <laughs> how very USF of you. They haven't won a major bowl game in 20 years, guys. I just, I don't know what, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say to them anymore. They're, they're delusional. They're, you know, they're off on their own Island, but. Um, I think that's what it yeah. comes down to for them. I think that's why they get so feisty is because like Florida and FSU don't necessarily feel threatened by UCF yet, but Miami sure does and has for a long time. Because UCF has been a flat out better program for a decade now. I think they're just bored too. Cause I don't think like, I don't think Florida and Florida state a lot of times don't even like think about Miami anymore. She doesn't feel like. Well, Miami's uh, always been like the third wheel in that. Trio yeah. Anyway. I, mean, I know I mean, Florida state and Miami is like a rivalry, but Florida, Florida state's a bigger rivalry than that. So like, it's just, Oh yeah. Yeah. Florida they're, State's big game is Florida. I don't they're think. They're sad. Yeah, Miami's just another game on the schedule. But to Miami fans, it's like this is our big. So it's like rivalry weekend. Like Miami's playing like UNC or something, and it's just like, congrats, guys. Yeah, no, they're they're pretty sad, but you know, God bless them. Um, we'll be back next week with episode seventy-two of the Pegasus Podcast. But until then, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams twenty-two at by C A Simmons and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.